Hey everyone, this is Sean. We tried something new this week. We did a live stream of our recording on Twitch. So you're going to hear a little bit less edited version of our podcast than you normally do this week. We hope you enjoy it and we hope to do more of these in the future. If you want to hear more live streams from us, why don't you send us a note at Teaching Python. You can go to our website, teachingpython.fm and send us something or reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Thanks very much and on with the show. So, Kelly, how are you? We're sitting face-to-face here, which I guess we're not supposed to do in the coronavirus world, but here we are, right? We've, so I've been in the classroom with you all week, so I feel like we've we've already got what we've gotten and whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, getting ready to go. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think you, you even, because you haven't even seen my screen yet. So we're streaming this live on Twitch right now. So okay. we're using a bit of a, a Zoom meeting magic to get our... our uh, webcam synced up, but then we're moving the video portion of this out live over Twitch because we know that there's a lot of people who are curious about what's going on right now with so many schools changing, right? Um, from uh, in-person learning to distance learning and online education. So I guess we should kick this off the same way we always do. Absolutely. Right? And we're going to make this right. official. Yeah, well, let's make it official because okay. we can start the start the stream here. So this is episode 39, 74, 68, something like that. I think it's episode 40, actually. Episode 39 for the fourth time. For the fourth time. Okay, yeah. it's Things have been, as you can say, very fluid, right, <laughs> over the last few weeks. Um, I have gotten a, an outpouring of emails from so many different sources, you know, all expressing their concern for my health and well-being during this time of crisis. You know, so Hertz Rent-A-Car, very concerned. <laughs> Citibank was one of the first ones to reach out to me and say that they wanted to make sure that I was okay affected by the coronavirus. Let's see here. I've gotten emails from, you know, CVS Walgreens. That makes sense, yeah, right? Like absolutely. those pharmacies, um, Publix down here in Florida. I got that Publix one too. Yeah. But in all honesty, it was really nice seeing the outpour from the educational technology community and how they've been just opening up their doors literally and allowing so many free subscriptions to everyone worldwide. I don't know where to look. If I look across this at Sean or look at the screen, we'll look at the screen so we don't, so we're recording at the screen. Yep. <laughs> we're not looking up. But I've gotten so many emails as well from Tinker, who has released free access. Zoom has released free access for educators. What else? You name it. Seems Rock. like everyone's done something to to make this a little bit less painful for everyone. And that's been really cool to see how many different companies have, you know, tried to open up. And, you know, like if I put my marketing hat on and I'm just a little bit cynical, obviously that's good business too, right? Like getting more subscribers, especially in, you know, when there's a lot of pressure for everyone, not just the companies, but for the educators to make changes quickly is a really smart move. And if your product holds up, you know, like if, you know, your Zoom video conference holds up or your Tinker platform holds up under the stress of the additional customers, you're not going to lose all of them when this is over, right? Uh, We're uh, all going to be changed. Absolutely. And I just, for parents out there, I just got my fitness and fluency or what is it? Fluency and fitness. I just signed that up for that for my six-year-old apparently you can do math and reading and 
whatever on while they're doing jumping jacks. So we'll see how that goes. They're sent out 21 free days on fluency and, and fitness. I don't even sponsor them or they're not even technology, but I was so excited because as a parent having to work at home and teach other people's students at the same time is a little bit overwhelming. And I'm, I'm just trying to get myself, you know, pre-prepared. I'm one of those people that organizes everything and, um, purchases not a lot of toilet paper mind you but all my um, snacks and everything ahead of time so that I'll have to not go out to Publix or whatnot yeah but you know that's not to say that we aren't going to go outside it's still beautiful weather here bright sunny you wouldn't know that anything was going on by looking out the window so yeah, I went for a walk today it was great you yeah. can always get outdoors just not going to go hang out at the local the local restaurant yeah, but you know the playground might be a good spot with all the UV light that kills everything from the sunlight. That's so right. well, my kids will be playing football. Yeah, soccer. Sorry, Spanish football. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelly, I, it, are there wins this week? Have you felt like there there was a win of the week for you? You know, I'm gonna have to give a shout out for our school, and I think your win will be the same. That we just all pulled together for the past week. We we didn't think we were gonna close on Monday, and then. What, three hours later, our head of school came out and said, guess what, we're closing on Monday and we're going to be closed for a little bit of time. And we just kind of all pulled together and everyone's starting to step up. So I feel it's a real big win, especially for our boss who really was spending a lot of time organizing all this preparation and helping us prepare other people. Yeah, it's really kind of amazing. I mean, everyone across the school had a job to do. Everyone had something they had to accomplish and get it done in a very short amount of time. And at the same time, maintain this sense of, you know, calm, professional behavior for all of our students, regardless of our own internal emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So helping our students feel that they are still in a safe place, that this is, a, uh, that they're going to be okay as we go through this. Yeah, I think that is true. It's like, there was a lot of, when you work with little kids in the middle school, you you have to manage a lot. It's not the curriculum's the least of your worries. It's everything else that's going through their little brains as they're developing and it's just it's just a little bit of overwhelming things, you know, it's a talk of the talk of the middle school to talk about coronavirus and everyone's going to get it and we have to shut down the school. So you just kind of have to manage that that emotional, the social emotional side of teaching more than anything. I would I would agree. So I think yeah, I I We'll pick a different win just so we're not repeating ourselves, but <laughs> I, I have to agree. I think that that was probably the biggest win this week was it was stressful. It was busy. It was fast and furious trying to get everything arranged and organized because as of, I think, as of this last night at like 5 or 6 p.m., the campus was pretty well shut down and beginning Monday, no one's allowed on campus for the next four weeks. So there was a lot to accomplish when you think about how much everyone had to pull together to make it work. I, you know, for me, I think the win of the week probably came yesterday during our president's announcement. You know, they had assured us earlier in the week that in the event of a shutdown, we would still be paid. All of these things would, you know, would continue to happen because, you know, we're still working, right? Like the campus is closed, but the school is still open. But I think the, the part that was most gratifying to me and why I really felt proud of the school that I work at was was yesterday when the president of the school also assured all of the faculty and staff that all of our hourly employees would continue to be paid throughout the campus closure. So, you know, we w like we wouldn't have to worry about our colleagues that are paid differently having any sort of financial hardship from a campus closure that could really affect them in a in a significant way. So, that to me was 
was still showing that we were putting our purpose and our values above you know, saving penny, you know, saving some pennies, right? Absolutely. And just a shout out then to all those administrators all across the world who've got, done this two, two months ago, who've already did the stress of, of shutting down your school and organizing your teachers and being that, that cheerleader in the background that's, that's there for you. That's just a huge, huge accomplishment. And we, I think we're all coming together in the educational world and, and sharing a lot of information and sharing a lot of support for each other. And it's been a, a very overwhelming but good feeling in a bad, in a, in a bad situation. Yeah. <laughs> you have to make light of it. Yeah. We just kept saying, you got this, is all we kept hearing. So it was good. Yeah, we've, we've really, you know, I... I I don't know. It's just it's been a unique and remarkable experience. Something that I, I didn't expect to happen. You know, I I know I keep saying this, but as a new teacher, there are things that I didn't expect to experience. Things that were different than when I was a student. You know, here in the United States, having to do lockdown drills on a regular basis is something that I didn't really want to do. How to defend your classroom effectively, right, and protect your students, is a training that I never wanted to have. Having to shut down a school in the space of a week or two and be a part of that, you know, be be a contributor to that was something that I didn't think I would have to do due to a global pandemic, right? And it's been something that that has been a good experience for me from just, you know, learning what you can do and learning that what you're capable of doing and, and knowing that there's a way to make it all work. Yeah. Well, we still have six minutes before our official launch. Do you want to talk about anything cool you coded this week? Man, was there, was there time for code? Did we code? I can't remember. I, actually, the one thing that I got to play with this week, and I'll put a link to it in the in the show notes, it's something that, that showed up last week, and it was rather unexpected. It was a big box that showed up. And as soon as I saw it, I suspected that's what it was. But it was something that I had ordered like a year and a half ago on a Kickstarter. <laughs> and it had taken so long to get to me that they had actually gone through a major product revision. And what showed up was actually improved and evolved beyond what I had originally ordered. But I got a Lightform LF2, which is kind of a cool thing. And we were playing with it in the classroom and you were making fun of me because I was almost ignoring my students. <laughs> maybe ignoring some of my students, at least the ones that were kind of that needed to be ignored so that they would go learn things. Was that also the time you were ignoring your students when you were when you were playing with the RGB lights and the switches on microbits? I have to tell them to put things down all the time. Get so into it. Kids I'm, love I'm it. Role modeling good behavior. <laughs> Focusness. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, let me I'm going to put the the link in the chat here. I think it's you find it, but but basically the light form is a projector that has a camera built into it. And so it uses structured light patterns of alternating white and black lines to scan a room or scan an image and determine all the depth map. So the, the relative distance from the projector to the surface. And then it can generate for you a, you know, a rendered depth map along with a color scene that you can then use to do light painting on the room. So you can, it has software that's very much, I would say, like Adobe After Effects or uh, Photoshop. It has a lot of those same sort of concepts of layers and effects and things like that that you can apply. But it lets you paint onto surfaces in the room, create surfaces or identify surfaces that don't have to be flat. So you could paint on a flower, for example, and it would create this really cool effect of light 
flowing over the the surface. So we did some things like we found some text that was a decal in our room and then we outlined that with color and made it animated so it would light up and glow and everything like that. So that was a pretty cool thing to see happen. You know, it was a it's a fun it's a fun uh, thing to play with and and my goal is to learn enough about it so that we can use it for events and and things at our school and also teach the kids a little bit more of this fusion between art and technology. Yeah, I was thinking just having and I was talking to the art teacher when she came in to see it. Can you imagine if they all had their individual space and they all made it geometrical design and then they can work in that little space to to set their window for it? It's going to be really cool. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, there's so much we can do with it. So that was that was some um, fun tech to play with. Of course, I got my my lightsaber working for summer camp. So that's been a lot of, of playing around with CircuitPython stuff. And then the other thing I've been starting on and I, I hope to do more with when I have some, some time is I've been going through the Fluent Python book and trying to level up my own Python knowledge about the internals of Python, how things work behind the scenes, just so that when we encounter things for students um, where they have a question that I can accurately describe what's going on, even if I don't have to delve into that detail with them, I can at least explain to them why things work the same the way that they do. Yeah, you're pretty remarkable. You kept telling me, stop talking to you because you were reading. You had to get through the chapter. Well, that was actually my stress relief for a little (laughs) bit also. It was just just like help to to cool down a little bit after working so much on other things i could take a moment to to think about python and and how something works and it ended up being a good way to kind of meditate a bit yeah i had a really good week of coding though i we managed to get through a lot we we dumped out all the sensors from the the micro bits the deep board sensors i even got some more of the deep i guess they're expansion boards just the kids were learning how to learn and how to find the code and I kept telling them this is research just copy the code see what it does see if you can read the code this is not your own production of code we'll worry about that next week well now we're going to worry about it (laughs) coming up but the idea was them to just get in and, and play with the electronics of wiring for me that's something always hard to get my head around of how do I wire things up which pen do I use in order to code is it analog is it digital so it was a full-on research and we had so much fun they they really got through a lot of things and they were able to find the code for a lot of the products that we had and i had never even started some of us some of the kids got the uh, halo ring up with the accelerometer and having it chase the blue light with the micro but if you've never seen it we'll put a link on on our show notes for that as well it's it's such a great product and there are three codes on their website that the kids can easily use and it's not a complex code so they can read what's going on and we were changing the the variables so that we can better name them because they did name the the variables a and b and x which kind of confused our kids because we teach them to name them what they should be but it was so much fun and then in the seventh grade we started started just to look at arcade thanks to paul craven and he um, officially released, or I don't know if it's officially released or tweeted last night, um, a chapter in the book about getting set up and making the first picture. And I was thinking to myself, wow, that's a great Monday lesson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, we, you know, and it kind of brings up a, a good point. Like, what are we going to do on Monday? Right. Um, 
I think we've been thinking a lot about a lot of other people's lessons and a bit about our own. Mm-hmm. So we've been trying to figure out like what do we what do we do on Monday? How do we start with this? Right? How do we um, get students to make that transition? I think there's a couple things that you and I have thought about, and, and we'll kind of and we're still waiting for questions here. So you know if you have questions, please throw them in the chat. Kelly and I are, are you know keeping an eye on that. We're also keeping an eye on Twitter and LinkedIn to see if anybody throws some questions our way from there. But really, the idea of making this transition is something that a lot of people aren't used to. Many of us as teachers or as educators, as administrators, or just as adults have done more online education in the last 15 to 20 years than you know our students have right our students often have been taking classes in a classroom where they're they have a more traditional model how do we help them make this transition over to being online learners that are self-paced that are driving their own education taking ownership of it and how do we make the transition ourselves to being online educators distance educators where we are setting our students up for success and i think that's you know, it's not as simple as saying, well, we're going to do the same thing that we do in the classroom, but we'll just do it online. We'll just use this technology tool that we have and we'll just hold classes over video and everything should be fine. Yeah. And it's that question because what we do in, in the classroom is a lot different than what's out there for the Python community. And even talking just in general for, you know, Khan Academy or anything else where you can have your self-paced learning, we do something different. The reason why teaching becomes successful or why you are successful as a teacher is not necessarily the curriculum that you teach. It is the personality and the deliverance of the curriculum that you teach that makes you successful. And it's that whole switch. You've lost that personal touch. You've lost, and touch that didn't sound right for a teacher, but you've lost that personal connection with your students when you go behind a screen. And that's one of my biggest worries of how am I going to get that back? I have a group of kids that sit at the table where I sit, and it's like a dinner table. And we always joke around. It was like the dinner participants are here, and they sit right next to me. And there's about nine of us, um, and they constantly fight for that table just to sit next to us and, and to code. And I don't know. It's something to consider. How do you make sure you're still making that connection with the kids? Yeah. So... I mean, I think it's helpful to provide a little bit of context, too, for online learning and and where this has been most successful. Maybe there's some lessons we can draw from that success. So, you know, one of the roles that I had before I was a teacher was I was in marketing for many years, and I was a marketing director for a online university. And, you know, one of the, the profile of the person that we thought would be the best fit for our style of education was someone who had taken some college you know, and maybe it wasn't successful, right? Or it was someone who had a entry level degree, you know, and I was particularly focused on nursing. So looking for people who were already nurses, not necessarily people who wanted to become nurses. So you kind of put yourself in the shoes of someone who is a nurse and that person has been, you know, working, maybe they're working four 10 hour days or three twelves or something like that. That's a, you know, relatively busy long day. And then they come home and they also do, you know, their online degree. And most of them were trying to go from an, an associate's degrees to a bachelor's degree or a bachelor's degree to a master's. Or, you know, they're basically trying to level up their education so that they can accomplish something. And, you know, we always said there's a reason why people 
are, are choosing to do this, right? Because Netflix is a lot more fun than going back to school, right? They're for, for most people. For most He for looks most at people. me because I'm like, I don't watch TV. Right. <laughs> I'm the weird one. <laughs> but, you know, but it's true. I mean, like most people, if they were given a choice, they wouldn't say, you know what I'd really like to do after working a, you know, a 12-hour day is to go online and participate in a group chat, or watch a lecture, or learn something, or write a paper, right? Why doesn't everyone like Udemy? I love going online and learning. Anyways, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I digress. So they, they don't want to do that. <laughs> they have a goal. They have a goal in mind that says, like, I, I need to do this because I'm being told that I need to get a bachelor's degree by my workplace, or I want to get this position, or I want to, I have this career goal that I want to get to, and I have to do, I have to get this degree in order to do it. It's something that un- enables something for me. I think that's very different for adult learners. That motivation, that source of motivation is very different when you are looking to achieve something, you have some sort of career or life goal that you're looking to accomplish or you're mandated to, right? You have to do it. Most of our students probably form, fall more in the mandated mode, right? Mm-hmm. They are forced to be at school when you're in middle school, usually by their parents, but you know, they're by law also they have to be in school somewhere. So our students have to find some additional motivation because just having to be there and to be present is enough isn't enough to actually get them to learn it might be enough to get them to memorize or to regurgitate or to perform like a talking parrot but it's not enough to actually get them to learn so what do we need to do to help them right and how do we make that transition from they don't they have to be at school they have to be physically present there because otherwise they're marked absent to you know, now they're online, how do we know that they're learning? Well, there's a lot of tips out there of things to think about as we're making that switch in our curriculum. I was speaking with a teacher this morning who was just like, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh, I'm just going to put that project that I was going to do in class. And I I said, but wait, how is that going to work? Because I'm not sure when you go to switch into online learning that you really consider the fact when we're in the classroom, when we're present in the, are, are present in the classroom, we take our formative assessment by what the kids are learning and doing right in front of us. We do check-ins, are you okay, thumbs up, how's it going? And we, we assess whether we put it in the grade book or not, that assignment in the moment. When you're online, if you're not doing it with synchronous learning, there's not many opportunities to assess if they got the lesson for the day. So you have to start thinking about how are you going to chunk those lessons? How are you going to be more effective online and and do it in smaller chunks so that you can assess periodically and effectively? So that's one of the big things I'm thinking about. Well, you know, we had like... And there's some things I think that are simple metrics, some simple ways to evaluate an assessment model and see if it's effective. So for example, you know, some of our students were asking us about, you know, how we were going to test them and how they were were going to prevent people from cheating, right? And they're like, how are you going to know that I'm not Googling stuff? And we said, well, if you can Google it and come up with the answer, it's probably not a very good question, right? Or maybe the Googling is the assessment. Right. Or the, you know, how quickly can you research and find the right answer and know that it's the right answer? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's also rather you know important in terms of the the way that we're teaching kids because we're going to assume that they're going to have more access to search and more access to information, not less, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's been sort of a, an interesting challenge as we go through this transition is, is resetting everyone's expectations for what does it mean to really assess learning and understanding and how do we really look at this? I, and this is what I think is really the silver lining. And I, you and I have talked about this a lot. This is going to force everyone to reevaluate what learning and education really means. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's not, not only is it going to make them what it means, but really is it is what you're doing really what it means? Yeah. And taking a self-reflection. We love reflecting here at uh, Teaching Python. <laughs> but it's this moment of, am I really assessing them on what's important in my curriculum? And it goes back to us with computer science education. What is really important? I know, and I'll probably speak for Sean, for you, Sean, is what's important is not necessarily what they make, that's fun. That's great. But it's what they learn from making. So even if it is small steps with the sixth graders, when the ability to find someone else's code, make it, and then make a small product of their own, that's huge. So for us, it's like, it's easy for to put out there what we want them to do. I guess in my mind, what we want them to do, because we just want them to learn and appreciate the ability to learn for themselves. Yeah, I agree. You know, Kelly, we've been, believe it or not, we've been recording for about 30 minutes already. Yes. We're going to take a break for a little bit and come back. So I'm going to pause the stream for a bit. We'll probably be back in about 20 to 30 minutes to to resume the conversation. In the meantime, while we're gone, I'm going to just pause the stream, but send us your questions over Twitter. You can put them in the chat for our channel. We also have this posted on, on LinkedIn. So if you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at twitter.com slash teaching Python. It's P-Y-T-H-O-N. We both are Python teachers, but we teach many other things as well. Um, As we're fond of saying, Python is the vehicle for teaching the things that really matter. And I think anyone who's um, a Python coder would agree with that. The language is a beautiful, elegant sort of thing. But the really important thing is how you think through problems and how you um, solve them in the um, in the way that makes sense to you. We're back after a short break. You know, it's it's funny. This this weekend is not really much of a break at all as we make the transition from Friday being in our classrooms to Monday being virtual with our students. So it's turning into quite the quite the weekend of of helping out our colleagues, of helping ourselves learn a little bit. So that's kind of what we wanted to do here was just give a a quick sort of live stream so that any other educators who are trying to make this pivot and and had questions could jump on anybody who's already made the pivot because a lot of the educators around the world have been doing this for months now and have learned a lot of the things that that we'll be learning over the next few weeks I would say absolutely and I think it's just getting our heads wrapped around about what we're going to do on Monday I've been talking to some of my former colleagues that I worked with in Peru about how they've been handling their working around situation in Asia because they're now working in Asia and it's just been a really long couple months for them they've been shut down for six weeks and they they have talked about some of the benefits of what they've learned while they're switching it's that combination of live class sessions supplemented with this like flipped class opportunities and it's uh they're realizing that they couldn't expect their kids to be dialed in for seven to eight hours. Yeah. And it's just, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind of learning experiences for a lot of my friends and colleagues across the world. And we're about to embark on it. 
Yeah, and I, I would say that that's probably the the most important part of this is that we don't expect our students to be engaged for seven or eight hours during a normal school day. So, and and not only that, we probably shouldn't expect them to spend all the time in front of a screen either. They need that time to change what they're doing, to switch between tasks, to freshen up their minds to move around a little bit so you know as i'm going through like my own children will be home with with me over the next few weeks we're putting together a schedule for the day you know the things that they're going to be doing like and we're, and i love the idea that you shared with me I, i'm sure you found it from one of our other colleagues you know of the idea of learning stations where there's a place that where was my own that's your own that idea that was my own I love idea. that I love that <laughs> so there's no this idea of of learning stations where the the student can go to have that space like a physical space where they're going to learn so that when they're away from the space they're really taking a break and when they're there they're learning and i you know i know that that's something sort of like that is is what most successful people in work from home situations have set up you can't work from your dining room table for an extended period of time it works for a day or for a few hours but well, let's hope it works for me for three weeks so, <laughs> no i actually got that idea because i was reading a lot about i think it was from julian and and bob they were talking about setting up how you're working from home I, from the, pie bites right from pie bites i think and just the idea of what do you need to to get into your learning realm mm -hmm. and i think um as a parent i i really know that my kids one child cannot handle anybody um, making noises around them he can't focus and the other one he needs more of a comfy cozy spot so i kind of made that place and i'll we'll reshare it i tweeted it out this morning i was really proud of my spaces and everyone was laughing at me and my close friends because they couldn't believe i was doing that at eight o'clock in the morning yeah kind of like nesting but i did want to share there's a viral daily schedule going around all over facebook about little schedules for kids and i, I think you can manipulate that well as well for middle schoolers but just talking about doing a, a wake up morning walk, academic time, creative time, lunch, chore time, quiet time, academic time. And it's this idea of making sure that we also physically, mentally recharge ourselves and our students and our children while they're on this online learning. I know, especially as computer science teachers, we're constantly on the computer and, and I'm not aware, I'm not sure, I don't even know what the proper phase is, but. I'm not sure how our colleagues who don't necessarily teach all the time on the computer, how they're going to do with this, because it's a difficult transition. We're used to being on the computers. We're used to staring at the screen. I know you probably stare at the screen way more than I stare at a screen, but it's a, it's a little bit of a trying time. Yeah. Well, and also some of the things that we've been going through over the last week is helping to match up our colleagues with technology equipment that may work well for them and you know some of the things that that have worked well or don't have to be sophisticated mm -hmm. right you know even a simple like you know nine by twelve whiteboard square that you can write on and if you're trying to do like a math equation or draw something and you just hold it up to your webcam can often be good enough to illustrate a point and then you could you know snap a picture of it with your phone later mm -hmm. so a lot of the things that are you know, maybe not, they're, they're high-tech, you know, cameras and things like that, but kind of low-tech combinations where you merge the two together, I think make a lot of sense. Or even, you know, set up your, your laptop with a, a, a wall, you know, wall behind it that you can draw on. You know, one of the things, uh, my wife works for Office Depot. One of the things that they have, I believe, if they have any of them left, it's pretty cool. It's a static cling whiteboard sheet. 
that you can stick to a wall and it just clings there with static. So you, it, there's no adhesive, it doesn't do anything to the wallpaper, but you can turn any wall into a whiteboard wall uh, temporarily, which could be great for a student's learning space, for a teaching setup where you could have the wall behind you as a temporary whiteboard that you could work on. Um, is it perfect? No, but is it good enough to get a lesson completed? Probably. Yeah, the other thing we have to think about is uh, this differentiation kind of aspect. I was talking to a colleague this week and um, saying while you're videotaping, maybe you're going to have something um, behind you hanging on the wall, like you said, so that you have it typed, you have it hanging written out, and you also have a video. So you're hitting all the modalities so that we're making sure that every student is successful. Right. I think, you know, really what I'm excited to see over the next few weeks, and, and I know that, you know, this is kind of like the finding silver linings, right? But, you know, I'm excited to see all the creative solutions that people come up with to Im improve distance learning. I mean, if you think about it, we've seen a gradual upsurge in distance learning and online education over the past 15 to 20 years. But we've essentially shut down most of the schools in the United States in the last week or two. And, all, you know, if if education is moving online, we've now unleashed all these educators with finding creative ways to engage the learning. And so even simple things like using the whiteboard or writing on glass or, you know, like I've got a USB microscope, right? So you can stream the, the feed from a USB microscope. So we're going to take some close up looks at like what uh, NeoPixels do on circuit boards or how a circuit is actually wired on a small level. Like it, there's some cool things that we can do with that, especially as we start to get into some of our specialty classes like robotics or as we start to look at things. You know, I'm excited because I think our esports team is finally going to have enough focus to take off now. <laughs> It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, posting right now my, my, oh, I thought, get this going here. I'll get to in a second, but I was trying to post up my a couple of things I wanted to share with the listeners. So if you have, by the way, I was going to, we're making this up as we go along. This is our first stream. So, you know, please be gentle, of course. But we have this Zoom meeting here. If you'd like to to see things or you want to share stuff, you can share it on the Zoom, share the screen, and then it'll get streamed out to everyone also. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'll try to do it because I have to log in there. We have to log into the chat to get in there. Okay. But what I was thinking is I was looking at the creative ways that people were teaching with video. I'm really excited about the fact that I'm going to have some little videos, short maybe screencastifies or something with the teaching of Python. And I'm thinking that's a great momentum to start recording things for extra help um, sessions. I can post later on in next year maybe where it's on my resource. So the funny thing is, is we're in the wheel course. So in between our three weeks off or on online remote, remote <laughs> sorry, in between our, our three weeks of remote teaching, we are, we are going to, um, we're, we're going to be switching the, the quarter. So we're going to be switching from a third quarter into fourth quarter. And so I'm going to have the end of my Python teaching and I'm going to have, the beginning of my Python quarter. And so I'll be missing the middle parts of the teaching. So maybe I can take that time to, to add some more screencasts. 
Sorry, it's very interesting doing a, a Twitch or doing a live chat. There's so much going on. This is what our students are going to be dealing with because they're going to have chats. How do they multitask, switch task? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I mean, the nice thing about um, that I've always found in online learning is that you can um, pause it, go back, you know, move forward, that sort of thing. So hopefully we can we can employ the same sort of like pacing that works well for, you know, rewinding, playback, that sort of thing. So I had someone uh, just mention in the chat, Lesta Tip said that Kelly's a little bit on the quiet side. So Kelly, I need you to move your microphone a little bit closer. Sorry. <laughs> I usually um, am the loudest person. But I want to touch base. I also had like, this article that I read earlier this, this uh, week about seven tips of online teaching. I kind of wanted to go through it. I don't know if you read it. Do you, have the, do you have the article? Can we put it up on the screen? Can I put it up on the screen now? You're getting technical. Where do, just do share screen and zoom, and let's see if that works. Oh, we know how to, we're doing a lot of. We're layering a lot here. And hold on, I'm going to plug into charge also. <laughs> There's so much going on. We have done Zoom, so many Zoom trainings today. <laughs> we have been on. There you go. Can you see? Oh, it? that's great. Awesome. So I found this inside higher ed and i've posted out but just thinking of making a group effort this one is interesting with the focus in on active learning it's easy for us if i was i i posted to an email to the computer science students yesterday this morning and i said we're going to be doing a zoom meeting to do some code alongs we're gonna have that feature where we can mute the students i can share my screen and well you can we pop up look i've got moo shout out to the moo can you see that on the screen and maybe we'll have some code alone. So I'm thinking of trying to get some active learning. Maybe I can um, have them share their screens with, with zoom, just that feature of how we're going to get them to be hands on while we're all at home alone with our loved ones. No? Yeah, maybe. I mean, well, let's oh, hold on. <laughs> I mean, I'm just at this point trying to figure out like why you can't hear me what the next day or two looks like right <laughs> um, let alone like how we're going to you know go even further like how we're really going to maximize this so i think there's like there's two phases there's that short term of how do we make the pivot right now and mm -hmm. how do we do that you know while keeping our students safe and secure and helping them make the the transition and then how once they're comfortable do we go into that full sort of optimization growth, you know, longer term? Yeah. So what are you thinking about doing for your first day? Now we're trying to multipass. What are you trying to, what are you going to do for your first day besides get everybody crazy? And um, I'm sure you're going to zoom right away. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Um, I'm, you know, my only zoom that I have planned right now is for my, my advisory students. So okay. my students that are non-graded, just the, the eighth graders, I'm setting up a, I have a, a group of students just to back up for a minute. I have a group of students that I advise and that have been assigned to me for the year. So the goal of that is to really build relationships and really help grow their community and have some people that they're connected with. So I'm going to make sure that we keep that connection going. And I'd like to start by doing a Zoom meeting with them that first day to help make sure that they're comfortable um, getting online and getting all the things that they need. So apparently my mic is only coming from you. Oh, hold on one second. That's the problem. Huh. <laughs> Okay, let's see what we can figure out. This is good. 
Shauna's just like in podcasts. This okay. reminds me of Hello World, our very first podcast where we, we <laughs> didn't know what we're doing. Always uh, learning. Well, let's see here. So we're broadcasting in stereo and the levels look pretty good on my side. Kelly, can you um, say something really smart and intelligent for everyone? I'm really smart and intelligent. Okay. So the levels are looking good. So less to tip. Maybe um, you're, you're, maybe you're only getting the right side audio for some reason. Let me see if there's a setting here that I can change for that. Yeah, so while you're playing around with it, so I'm going to zoom with my with my advisees as well. I feel I feel like we again going back to that social emotional learning, we have to really do that connection for our kids, but I'm I'm really excited. I think I think I'm going to make Paul Craven happy and uh, really dig into arcade. I've got to figure out I got to figure out if I'm only on the right. There you go. Right. Oh, I'm in stereo. <laughs> 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 All right, I just changed something here. Okay. okay. But I'm going to try to do dig into Arcade. I've got to figure out, and Sean's going to help us see if we can get our third-party libraries into Moo because I think PyCharm, I jumped ahead and tried to install PyCharm with my seventh graders, but it was too overwhelming for them. So we're going to make a screencast of the fix for some people with Moo and getting those third-party packages to go in, something with uh, Brew. He's homebrew, yeah. Homebrew, and yep. he has to do that uh, recording tonight with all with the limit. <laughs> no, this weekend, tomorrow. No, I'm gonna I'm Rachel's gonna do that gonna... as a screencast, probably. So yeah. you know, it, like there's a lot of things that I, I'm actually excited. I think they'll work better as a recording, and when the students aren't distracted by everyone else around them. Absolutely. So the you know the specific issue that we're running into is that the Mu Python editor that we've used so much and, and works really well has a kind of a strange bug with the alpha version where you can't install third-party packages like matplotlib or pandas or something like that which normally you wouldn't really care to do like you're kind of moving by the time you're ready to do a pandas data set you're probably not going to be using mu to do it but the python arcade library that paul craven came out with works really well and i think it'd be a natural fit the problem is that on Mac OS, which is the dominant operating system that we have at our school, the the it depends on OpenSSL. So in order the fastest way that we've found to get that going is to install Homebrew and then get OpenSSL going. So it's been a little bit tricky to to get students to follow along with that. And so I think the screencast is gonna actually be a really great way of getting them to to do it. Yeah, and, and, and then it's helpful for me because I always say I can't remember how to do it, which I can't because I know it's something, something in terminal, something, something here. And then now I can just install all the third-party packages and it's great. And I keep forgetting. So it's going to be something to, handy to have. Going back to that, these are the things that I, I think are going to be beneficial to every teacher is you're going to have these set of resources. So... You may not necessarily teach just like that in class, but you can put on your in your curriculum, hey, here's my screencast on how to fix things with Moo and, and how to install Brew, or here's my here's my lesson about making a function for sixth graders. So these aren't things that I find readily on the internet because people don't teach the way I teach and I like to do certain things a certain way. Even though Python is Python, we all have our, our little idiosyncrasies of how we teach. So it's going to be nice to have that bank. Yeah. I, I mean, there's 
you know, and and then sharing that, right? So mm-hmm. that's the like as you mentioned. You mean I have to share it free? You don't. Yeah. Have, you don't have of to share everything, <laughs> but you know, I think that's the thing that we've seen is just the spirit of sharing as much as everyone can to help get everyone through. So, you know, we'll share what we can and keep going from there. Yeah, and I brought home a couple books. You brought home a lot of books, I know. I brought home a lot of things. (laughs) I brought home way too much stuff. When our boss told us to bring home everything we needed, Sean was just like, I can't live without that. Oh, wait, I can't live without that. All right, I only took one of the 3D printers home. (laughs) Yeah, so what I'm thinking about the things that I brought home, I brought home the Pi Top, the new Pi Top 2. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Pi Top 4 now. It's the Pi Top 4? Yeah, I think okay, it's the Okay, Pi Top now. 4. I brought home that, and then I brought home Vector. Yep. Because <laughs> uh, Vector's coming out. Vector's the AI robot that the company went under or sold out. Yeah, it was made by Anki. Anki. Anki and they they went bankrupt. But then Digital Dream Labs. Yeah, the um, ones that um, make the puzzlets. Yep. They are doing a Kickstarter, and I think we're going to purchase that so that we have some... Edit. Ooh, we got to we, we better check that because uh, it was I think the Kickstarter's closing like as of right now. So. Oh no! So yeah, so we we want to get in there and and get some of that and be able to edit our vector. Well, Sean will edit vector. We'll just play with them in sixth grade. <laughs> but so I brought home that and I brought home Meg Ryan Meg's uh, book. Meg Ryan, yes. Meg Ray. Meg, Meg Ray. Meg, Meg Ryan's the actress. Meg Ray. I mean, I didn't know she was into Python, but you know, hey, <laughs> That would be cool. Career. Meg Ryan, if you're into Python, you know, hit us up at Teaching Python. <laughs> Meg Ray's book, because I only, I've only made it halfway through her book, um, and I keep looking at it, staring me down, trying to get those vampire pizzas to come after us. You haven't done that <laughs> all the way. No, I haven't. I haven't really, I've, I've seen you working on it, which was kind of fun. What else did we bring home? I brought home a lot of... Um, components for the microbit and the Gemma because those are these projects so I have a lot of high hopes in between maybe some tutorials for extra time for the kids we'll see how it goes I still need to purchase a um, desktop camera I think would be nice when we're doing the electric connections yeah you know it's interesting I found that the magnification on that USB camera is probably a little too much for the screen like it's good for showing individual components mm-hmm. document cameras i think are going to be the key so if it if it can capture an 8 by 10 space you could kind of move it close enough that you could make the alligator clip connections for the students excellent so yeah that's about it I don't know, for, for me, I've got way too many projects. I left the lightsaber in the classroom. I realized that last night. I'm like, this is the nerdiest thing ever. My my lightsaber is there. But in effect, it's it's completed. So at this point, I'm going to, to leave it there. I'm working on a second prototype because I want to change the design a little bit. But I'm in no rush for that. So I, I did. I brought home components for that. I may do some of the soldering on it because it's a it's a good relaxing activity to do. And then I'm looking at a couple of other things uh, that I brought home. I brought home the the light form, uh, light painting projector that we were talking about in the last session here. And then I also brought home some cool stuff with the, like I brought home the the DJI RoboMasters because my kids love playing with them. And I think we might actually get out some safety goggles and use the, the gel you gotta beads You got to record it. that. So that's the one of the thing of the moral motivation is a strain. That's a strain for our students. Yeah. Um, that's why I wanted to put back in there. I'll keep searching for it. The videos, some teachers from elementary school made some really cool videos to keep that motivation. So I can just see if you guys uh, racing around with those robots that we have at school. I, you definitely need to record that. Send it to your kids. We're gonna. We're definitely gonna see how it goes. I. I, I have to. I have my own 
you know, not a school owned, but I have my own drone as well. And that's one of the things that I may um, pull out during the break as well is get some sort of combination of the drone and the and the robots driving around to get some kind of fun video and everything. So, you know, it's, it's as much I'm using this almost as like a, a half teaching, half sabbatical as a way to focus on some of the projects that I don't always get to to play with. And that's been a lot of fun to see uh, the opportunities for that and think about like what could be done now. Yeah, that'd be good. So what else? We're pretty much done, I think, for a little bit. We've got a lot of talking today that we've done. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a good tester just to see how things are going in, in Twitch and streaming and maybe do a couple more of those. Yeah, I don't I think, think if anybody gonna... wants to stare at me. <laughs> well, but I, you know, I have to say, well, it's pretty great. We've had um, several viewers show up. There's uh, Lester Tip is in here. Lurks is in here. Zaturic is in here. You know, when we set this up, we didn't even know if anybody would show. So to have you all join us and chat with us has been really, really great. So thank you for, for joining for that. We are probably going to do more of these. We have some, some live streaming that we're going to do over the next, you know, probably over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, Kelly has, I set her up with a little miniature recording interface so she can start recording the higher quality audio and we'll just see where we go from there. Yeah. And thanks for putting up with us while we're testing. It's, you know, that's one of the things we tell all computer science teachers and any teacher out there, you, you've got to be okay with the failure. You've got to be able to put yourself out there and take the risks. We probably look like idiots half the time when we're recording. <laughs> well, I have a feeling like I'm going to need to elevate my webcam because I'm looking up at you and, and it's probably not in the right spot. So if I change this a little bit, it probably will look better, you know? So th it's like, it's all the little details and tweaks that you don't know until you actually try it. Yeah. So the only way you're going to do that is to try it, right? Yeah. So we hope to get a, a podcast out for you guys, a real one. We've got a couple that have been recorded. One of them we may end up postponing or delaying because it was about some live events we were working on that may be, you know, adjusted based on the current uh, situation with the coronavirus. Yep. The other one, though, I think is actually maybe even more apt right now around Pythonic parenting. So I think we're gonna... that needs to launch out on month... uh, soon. Soon. Very soon. So okay. I'm going to figure out how the heck we're going to edit this audio file <laughs> into something coherent. And then I will... Just put it up as one of our... We're going to post it as episode 40, what not to do on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But, you know, we'll... we'll you know, actually, the, it kind of goes to show you, I may end up just posting this as a live recording with all the warts and blemishes on it. I'm on the... You know, the non-edited. <laughs> I don't have warts, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> yeah. Just to, uh, we'll post as a live recording just so we can get it out faster and sooner rather than later. So again, thanks for listening. And this has been a new thing for all of us. So for Teaching Python, this is Sean. And this is Kelly. Signing off. Mm -hmm.